what's the biggest challenge you've ever had and how did you go through the challenge that you still keep living and can come here to tell us about that this is now tell us i'm your host anthony Mwerore. at now tell us we have guests come and tell us stories they come and inspire us they come and educate us on a subject and always we are having great times here because we have great guests who come and join us. Today we have a very great guest. Her name is Boots Nighton, and she's gonna be here shortly. Now, this is a lady who's been through a tough time, overcome it, and is here to tell us her story and encourage you in whatever you could be going through. Now, I'm not going to preempt the story. Please come with me and let's go and find out all about it. And uh, I'm believing we are going to have a great time. Before we go, please remember to share this episode with all your friends. If you uh, have a question, please ask. We will respond. If you have any comment to make, like uh, we have already people coming in and saying hi. Hey, welcome, Peter. We are glad that you're here. We love feedback. So please give us any feedback that you may have. Even if you get to watch this, the recorded version, uh, or, or even listen to the recorded version of it, we thank you for taking your time. And yes, let's go to meet our guest today, Boots. Here we go. Hi, Boots. Anthony, so great to be here. Yeah, we are honored to have you here. Thank you for coming to now tell us. It's just, it really is an honor to be here talking with you. Yes. Which part of the world are you right now? I am in Teton Valley, Idaho, which is on the border of Wyoming and Idaho. I'm a 20-minute drive to Jackson, Wyoming, which is famous for Jackson Hole Mountain Resort, uh, the town square where you have arches made out of antlers. Um, I it's also I'm right on the border where the Tetons run north to south, which is an amazing mountain range. And I am within a 30-minute drive to Grand Teton National Park and Yellowstone National Park. <laughs> that sounds wonderful. Now, I've been, I'm really lucky. I, I've, I've been, yeah, and you sure are lucky. Now, I've been to a few places, and I haven't had such a combination of names and places. <laughs> Yellowstone, and uh, now we also have Boots Night on. That's an that's not a name that is common. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, you, you, all the names, all the words, all the names that you've mentioned have left us. Oh, this that sounds interesting. I would like to go there. <laughs> I would love to host you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How does your name come to be? I haven't. I. I 
I must admit, I haven't, I can't remember coming across Boots, Nighton, Boots. <laughs> Tell us a, yes. a, a few things about your name. So Boots is my legal middle name. My first name is Suzanne, mm -hmm. and my legal middle name is Boots. And I am named after, the name Boots comes from this amazing woman that my parents lived near um, and I, I did too, uh, but they, they had met her years before I was even an idea to them. And she was nicknamed boots after her grandfather, who was nicknamed after a pair of boots he wore all the time. So I am named after footwear just a few generations back, but most immediately I am named after this amazing woman she lived to 96 mm -hmm. and she had five daughters and she always said i was her sixth daughter and she was just she was like the modern day mother Teresa. and so i didn't really start going by my middle name boots until about five years ago because frankly i didn't feel worthy of her name she was that incredible of a person and then i wanted to honor her and her impact on my life. And so I shifted to my middle name. Okay. Born in Idaho? No, she, I grew up in the, uh, on the coast of North Carolina. Okay. So on the, on the Atlantic coast of the United States. And that's where, that's where I came to know her. And how was it growing up? In North Carolina? Yeah, in North Carolina, and even when you shifted, yeah. how has life? Yeah, it it was it was amazing. I I I lived right on the water. Mm -hmm. Um, there was the intercoastal waterway that connects to the Atlantic Ocean, and I just was on the water every day. And then we had a beach house on the outer banks of North Carolina, and so I just. I got really in tune with the natural environment and the seasons and weather and how weather affected our day-to-day -day lives. It just, it provided a rhythm to my childhood that I don't think many people get to experience, especially now in the 21st century. Mm -hmm. And I did not, I moved out to Jackson, Wyoming first in 1998 and then ultimately my my husband and I wanted to be able to afford a home and Jackson is is a very expensive place to live and so we moved just over the Teton mountain range into Idaho just 20 minutes um and we've lived in eastern Idaho since 2008 that's cool and what's your career if mm -hmm. i may ask well it's podcasting now so i i host a podcast the Heart Chamber, mm -hmm. which is about patient stories of open heart surgery and recovery. And I highlight a variety of different issues requiring open heart surgery where I interview patients. But I'm also bringing on healthcare providers that are providing a different perspective on how to not only survive but thrust open heart surgery and i had mm, no. this podcast because i needed this podcast when i was facing open heart surgery uh during the pan during the height of the pandemic and so i am seeking to provide a voice of hope and healing for all those that come after me 
Mm. And thank you that you brought this up. And even if we can focus on much of what was happening when you're growing up, what you did, we already get the picture that you lived a happy life. You enjoyed everything that you are going through. Just like all of us have been going through life normally, and then the pandemic hit. But for you, as you have just introduced it to us, it hit different. It sure did. <laughs> it hit different. Yes. And, and it, many people went through challenges during that time. And many people also go through challenges, even when there is no pandemic. And uh, you coming to this show and maybe sharing with us a few a few experiences or the experience that you went through during this tough time, uh, it, it's important that someone may hear this so that they could have an idea of how to go about what it is that they are going through. Now, tell us what, how, I mean, before and how it led to that day of the surgery. Ooh. So it's, it's pretty intense. Um, it started six months prior. Mm -hmm. um, I, so, and even let me take a step back further. I had hit my head during in a ski accident in 2000 and 2018. And I had a really rough recovery from that severe concussion, call it a TBI. Um, and it was a, like, it was a two year process of getting my life back and my life back, but I ended up really thriving because of that concussion, because I had mm. to relearn how to do things. And one of the things I had to relearn how to do was ski. And I had been a ski instructor for many years at Jackson Hole Mountain Resort. But when I when I hit my head, I was on the job, I was actually instructing that day. And mm -hmm. It, it was a really bad fall. Um, and one of the results of that was I had to relearn how to move my body in space. Mm. Because of that, I actually got rid of all my bad habits in skiing. All of us have bad movement habits. And I had worked for a long time trying to correct these habits. But then it took one really bad concussion and I got rid of all my bad habits and because I had to relearn how to ski. And the result of that was I ended up passing, uh, passing and excelling in the top level um, certification exam and getting nominated for a national ski award. Mm. And I was like, well, my goodness, what a life lesson there. Like I went through this really horrible time. I got really depressed from the concussion, was even suicidal. I mean, I really had a hard time. Mm. But then the end result was this incredible accomplishment that I just, I didn't even see coming. Mm. It was just, it was just taught me that, hey, you can go through a really hard thing and still come out way on top. So I start, that was within two years of hitting my head. So now it's 2020 and it's the pandemic, more breathlessness and it's the spring. And we kept blaming my mm. head injury. We're like, well, maybe my autonomic nervous system is off. And I had started passing out 
And I even passed out on the chairlift in the wintertime by myself. And it was amazing. I did not fall to my death. Um, it, a lot of weird things started to happen. And so we, like I said, we were just blaming like, oh, it's the dis maybe it's dysautonomia or I'm developing POTS, which is kind of a uh, positional situation with heart that can come fashion. But then towards June of 2020, I really started struggling with exercise. And I was like, this is not making sense. And mm -hmm. then on Mar on June, I think it was 24th or 26th, um, my husband and I are mountain biking. And the night before we had been on a walk and I started having all the symptoms of a heart attack. And I didn't say a word to him. I just figured it was stress because my, my mom had just been diagnosed with rectal cancer. His mm. mom had just been diagnosed with breast cancer in the same week oh. and my car engine blew up. So like it was the right. dumpster fire of dumpster fires. And I just figured it's the pandemic. Right. And so I just figured it was stress. But mm -hmm. my left arm was killing me. It was all the symptoms of a heart attack you hear about. I had the elephant on my chest. I was sweating. I was nauseous. And I just didn't say a word to Jason, my husband. We just finished our walk. We got home, went to bed, and all my symptoms went away. And I was like, yep, it's just stress. Mm -hmm. And then the next day, we go on this mountain bike ride. And all of those symptoms come back, but even stronger. And we are in this mountain range nearby our house and we're getting to the top of this climb on our mountain bikes. And I just have to get off and start pushing. And he's like, What's wrong with you. He, he just could tell I was not okay. And I said, well, I mm -hmm. think I'm having a heart attack. And he was like, what? Oh my gosh. And we're both wilderness first responders. And so in the United States, that means that we have a special certification for rescuing in the backcountry, assessing um, like emergency situations. So mm -hmm. we both know what a heart attack feels like, sounds like, looks like. Mm -hmm. And he's like, we need to call for help. And I was like, I am finishing this mountain bike ride. <laughs> <laughs> So we get to the top and I, I'm, I'm just so hardheaded and I didn't want to believe, I mean, I was 42 at the time and in the like prime of my life, I was feeling so healthy and strong and there, it just made no sense. So I did finish the mountain bike ride. I, by then my arm was hurting me so much, my left arm that I could hardly hold on to the handlebars. And we get down to the bottom because by the time I realized what was really happening, it was all downhill and we had to get to a trailhead. But, you know, I refuse to go to the hall because I refuse to believe this is happening to me. I make mm -hmm. us dinner. I take a shower because like who wants to go to a hospital smelly after a mountain bike ride? And I mean, not, it was all so ridiculous. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we do eventually get to the hospital. I had waited so long to go that they didn't find a heart attack, but they mm -hmm. were like, you obviously there's something going on cardiovascular wise. You need to see a cardiologist. And mm -hmm. so that's what started it all. But I always, I feel like it's so important for me to always tell that story because women, especially, and I don't know if this is true in Greece where you are, 
Um, but in the United States, women in particular, really, we have, a we almost get like a, an Academy Award for, for like ignoring heart attack symptoms. Mm-hmm. It is, and is not something proud of. Um, mm-hmm. but that, that's what started the journey. And so I, I eventually, I saw the cardiologist, um, I go through two different cardiologists before I find one that like really hears me um, and that I needed help. And it was six months until I finally got the surgery I needed because two cardiologists did not help me at first, even though the first cardiologist found three different congenital heart defects. Um, But he ignored them and told me I just had anxiety but I was already being treated for anxiety and I knew this felt different than anxiety. He's still ignored me. And then the, uh, the next cardiologist also said, nope, this isn't a thing. But then I ultimately got to Stanford university in California where they specialize in the defect that I had, which was myocardial bridging. And they were the ones that said, you absolutely need surgery so I fly there. I had to wait three months to for them to have an opening to help me. And by the time I got there, the pandemic had shut down all the ICU beds. Oh. And so I couldn't have the surgery. And so then I had to fly back to Idaho and I actually found my surgeon on Facebook <laughs> in a in a support group that is for my congenital defect. Mm-hmm. And later I got surgery from him and he was the one who saved my life. I mean, he even said I was out of time. Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. Let me take a breath. Mm-hmm. What a story. Mm-hmm. It's bananas. Now, it's, I'm, I'm imagining and this is going to the person who's listening or watching out there how you go through some family diagnosis of uh, terminal diseases you have everything happen around you and then it happens on you and a solution doesn't come to you after one month two months three months you have to and and this is a death-threatening situation that you are at uh, I must be something special with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think maybe I'm here to do some bigger things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think I think there are bigger things that you're here to do, and and it's good that we are here listening to you today. Looking at your profile, you say something very interesting to the person who is listening here that actually January, that was the day that you had your operation, that's January 15th, 2021, was the best day of your life. How? Yeah, that still feels true even in this moment. Um, Because I still, I I feel like every day is the best day of my life because I got to live and I, I, 
I can hardly believe each life now. It's like, I'm just, I just am so blessed. I have such an incredible life, but I was thinking about this this morning. I, I got to this place in this moment because I've worked my tail off on body, mind, and spirit to get to where I am today. Mm -hmm. But that mm -hmm. the surgery, here's the thing about that surgery. The five minutes before I went into the operating room, my surgeon came out to meet me. I, I mean, I'd already met him, but he, he brought, he had a, a, a um, clipboard in his hand with a document I had to sign. And the document basically stated, this could go, uh, this could go south. You could die. And I, I literally, you hear the cliche, um, especially in, in the United States, you know, we're signing our life away, especially like when we sign, like, if we have to get a loan for a house, I don't know if you've ever mm -hmm. heard about mortgages and mortgages in the United States, yeah. but you sign, yeah. sign your you sign your name like between 50 and 70 times. It's like mm -hmm. bananas. Mm -hmm. um, and so people will often say, ha ha, I signed my life away today to buy a house. Well, I <laughs> actually like literally signed my life away. Like mm -hmm. now I really know what that means. Um, mm -hmm. I know what that entails because he said, I mean, the chances are slim, but they're not zero because they had to stop my heart. So he, he putting my, my, my heart got to take a nap. <laughs> he said, oh, your heart's just going to take a nap for a while, <laughs> which was a while meant an hour and a half, um, <laughs> which it was stopped for an hour and a half. Mm -hmm. And how they stopped it was he gave me a whole bunch of different, he injected a whole bunch of different medications into the heart to make it stop. Mm -hmm. And Sometimes a heart finds that offensive and just doesn't want to start again. Luckily, obviously, I'm still here. Mine started again. But I'll tell you, when I signed that paper and he walked away and he said, I need a few more minutes. We'll come get you. It was like seven in the morning and I was in Salt Lake City, Utah, and I had, if, if anyone ever been to Salt Lake or seen pictures of it, the Wasatch Range runs north to south along the east side of the city. Mm -hmm. And it was one of those clear winter mornings where the sun, as it was rising, caused the Wasatch Range to turn the most amazing purple I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. And in our national anthem, we have Purple Mountain Majesty as one of the lines. And I always wondered about that line. And I was like, I wonder what that really means or what that looks like. Mm -hmm. And I saw it that morning and I was like, this is it. It's like so majestic. It's like such a purple I'd never experienced before. Mm -hmm. I just signed my life away. And I was like, you know, if I don't wake up. I'm good. And I started to think about like, am I, I, wait a minute, am I good? Like really, am I really good? And I had to get really courageous. And something I say um, often is I'm best friends with courage. Mm -hmm. 
because that's the only way I've gotten through a lot of this. Um, but I got bet I had to really be best friends with courage that morning. And step one was signing that paper. Step two was really examining my life in those five minutes I had before I was rolled into the OR. And I, there were only two regrets. I asked myself, do I have any regrets? And I had two. One was I hadn't written my book yet. I dreamt my bo- a book my whole life. I could just sense that mm-hmm. it's my calling. So that was regret number one. Regret mm-hmm. number two was I hadn't skied enough. Now, I live in a ski town. I am a ski instructor. I still felt like I had not skied enough. Mm-hmm. And when I think back to those two regrets now, those were just like examples of two bigger issues for me. The mm-hmm. f- first issue was I hadn't fully stepped into my life purpose. Number two, I hadn't found, fa- and that was writing my book. Also, little did I know at the time, my main purpose was actually to start a podcast and grow a community. Mm-hmm. So that was number mm-hmm. one. The second one, the mm-hmm. skiing part, what that was an example of was I hadn't truly learned and experienced what true joy feels like on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Those were the two things I still needed to experience, do, feel. Mm-hmm. Life purpose. And, and full, unguarded, full out joy. And I want to ha- also highlight Anthony wasn't thinking about. What? I wasn't obsessing about money. If mm-hmm. I was loved, did I have enough followers? Like all these weird things you hear about in day in this day and age, mm-hmm. none of the, I I didn't think about any of that. It didn't cross my mind. Running errands, to do lists, the amount of things I had, none mm-hmm. of that crossed my mind. It was had I been in my purpose and had I experienced true joy. That was it. Living fully your purpose and experiencing full joy. Two things. And then an answer came when you were given a second chance at life. After one and a half hours, your heart not beating and you're here. Now, this is wonderful. This is great. Now, and it's true that uh, a book needs to be written by you. Maybe you hadn't written your book at that time so that you can have a good story to put in that book. And you've lived it now. So we expect a book from you sometimes. (laughs) You got it. Yeah, we expect a book from you. Now, uh, we've got to finish this uh, mountain bike ride and calm down (laughs) that courage. And then the courage to sign your life away. So that is definitely one of your greatest strengths, your courage of doing (laughs) those 
threatening those life-threatening things. Now, what are the other things that you could maybe leave with uh, our listeners with? How, how, how did you manage to go through that, uh, facing those challenges and handling? Uh, yes, you, you tell us that you are going through some stress and also under some medication over the stresses that were there, uh, the terminal diagnosis of your family members, and then everything else has been happening. What other strengths have you been having or what can you suggest to people who could be going through some challenges like you've been through? Yeah, I, I'm not afraid to ask for help. Mm -hmm. So I have an amazing therapist. We've been working together for nine years. I still work with her either monthly or twice a month. Um, it's just good to have that third party perspective on your life. Mm -hmm. But during that mm -hmm. time, I was seeing her weekly and she was helping me stay regulated with my nervous system. Um, so that is an absolute. In fact, this morning I was on a walk and I was thinking about, gosh, what if like the whole world had a therapist? Like if everyone had a therapist, like mm -hmm. imagine what we could accomplish because then we have this support system to help us stay regulated and remind us of our strengths and our growth edges. Mm -hmm. So that is huge. And yeah, medication, like I, my brain injury really affected my ability to stay regulated because of the way I hit my head. Mm -hmm. And so I, I'm just now more prone to anxiety. I'm now more prone to depressive episodes. And at that time, I mean, duh, it was like things were so hard, right? And mm -hmm. so I look at medication should not be stigmatized. Like it is a tool. Mm -hmm. Just like if you have a headache, you take Advil or Tylenol or mm -hmm. Aleve, like mm -hmm. whatever works for you. Because like who wants to have a headache? Well, I didn't want to be a dysregulated mess. I still mm -hmm. needed to like advocate for my health, advocate for my mom's health, support my husband with his mom. Like no matter what's happening in life, you still need to stay effective in your day to day. So then that way you don't spiral down even more. Mm -hmm. So just look at medication as a tool. I think I do every single morning, Anthony, and this is like religious for me is I view the sun right before I go out into the daylight, right before it rises mm -hmm. above the horizon, because that resets some hormones in your body. And mm -hmm. then I meditate every morning and then I journal. And it is mm -hmm. amazing the magic that has the absolute full on magic that has come from that. It regulates sleep. That's and then I'm regulating my nervous mm -hmm. system out the gate and centering myself. And then my, my journaling time is just like free, uh, free flowing. And I just plan out my day on like how I can kick ass. Hmm. Thank you for that. Thank you for sharing that because I know there's someone who's put that down that they are going to apply in their own life because Mm -hmm. We may not necessarily be going through an open heart surgery. We may not go be going through some 
diagnosis in the family that is life-threatening. Each and every one of us have challenges that could threaten our sanity. They could threaten the way we view uh, life and want to give up. So it's good that we have some tips and ideas. What is this you call open heart living? And now I believe, I know, I, or rather we can imagine that is coming from that surgery, but please dive us into that. <laughs> yeah. So I believe in living my life wide open, meaning mm -hmm. um, just getting the most out of every day and doing my best. I still fall short on this, but I'm, I'm working hard and doing my best. I'm meeting people where they're at and they're with grace and radical acceptance. Um, and I am with courage, a ton of courage, stepping further and further into me with my podcast and my books. Um, and just really not being not shying away from what makes me uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And leaning into that, because usually that's what I'm meant to be doing. Oh, that's wonderful. That's great. Wow. Wow. We've quite had some great time with you here, Boots. Thank you very much for coming. Oh, this has been great. Yeah, but before we go, we I know someone could be listening and could be curious to know much more about your story because we've had just a, a tip of it. And uh, they could also be interested in going to get your books as soon as you release them uh, so that they can get a, a bit of a, a better perspective of everything that you would share in the book because we, we in 30 minutes that we have been here, we can't exhaust whatever it is that you would have wanted to share with us, I'm sure. Oh, thank you. So, yes. So how can they follow up with you? Yes. So you can find me at my podcast, which is The Heart Chamber with Boots Knighton. I am on Instagram, Boots. I also have The Heart Chamber podcast on Instagram. I am going to be uh, launching a Patreon page soon for the open heart uh, community or really anyone who has needed a heart surgery of any kind and, and as well as their caregivers. So be looking for an announcement for that probably by mid-October. And also in mid-October is when I'm going to uh, launch season two of my podcast. So I'm in the middle of recording all my episodes right now. Amazing what is coming through with my guests. Um, and I'm sharing more and more as well on TikTok. I'm just now leaning into TikTok. I've been kind of dragging my feet on that. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, I am, I want to also be able to reach people on TikTok because I truly believe that, that open heart surgery or a surgery of any kind, or like you just said, Anthony, a challenge of any kind, you can th not only survive through that, but you can thrive. Oh yeah. You can thrive through it. And we wish you the best in it. And as you continue in, on your podcast, uh, we wish that you gain as many followers and many fans and listeners as possible because many people need this. And, uh, we ask every listener who's here, please rush over to the heartchamberpodcast.com 
and find out about this. <sighs> yeah, this thank wonderful you. lady <laughs> about the podcast, <laughs> oh, about thanks. everything that she shares. Yeah, so this is about it uh, for this podcast, but I mean this episode. But, but before we go, would like you to leave us with a few words that we should always remember. Which are they? Lean into the uncomfortable. It always works out. Any challenge that you're facing right now, think of it that it is here for you, that it's happening for you, not to you. Everything is happening for you, not to you. Lean into the uncomfortable. I, I, I am not so sure. Let me be frank with you. I'm not so sure that I'll finish my mountain bike ride when I'm feeling like giving up. <laughs> <laughs> You're another That's one. Fair. You're a fresh one. <laughs> You're a fresh one. <laughs> That's fair. You're a fresh one. So, Thank you very much, uh, Boots, for coming. Uh, we are very honored to have you here. Thank you for a wonderful episode. And uh, we wish you all the best. Mm, thank you, Anthony. I've made yeah. a new friend in Greece. Yeah, it's such an honor to get connect with, connected with you. And uh, thank you. Uh, at the same time, I want to thank every listener, every viewer of our podcast. Please remember to uh, follow uh, all our platforms and also share it with your friends all your friends needs to to listen to this please share it thank you so this has been now tell us and i have been your host anthony morori and together with our guest today boots nighton we are reminding you to please continue living uh, with an open heart and until next time bye for now